Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Oh, thank you, choir, for singing. Let's give all of these, this choir tonight, a hand of appreciation. When I get to heaven, I'm going to wear a robe. Brand new. Amen. You will grab your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Acts. Praise the name of the Lord. Book of Acts chapter 16. And uh, I want to say it's, it's good to have Brother Chad Marshall with us tonight all the way from Indianapolis. We appreciate him being here. Would you welcome him tonight? So thankful he's here. And uh, Brother Denver Nelson is somewhere. Uh, where'd he go to? Hey, uh, it's his last. Why don't you come up here with Pastor for a minute? And uh, when he first showed up, I think I called him Dallas. Um, and uh, we love you, Brother Denver. And this, this summer, he's interned here and has helped us with our promotions and social media and working around the church in so many different facets. And uh, you have been a tremendous blessing to this local congregation. We're so proud of you. Tonight's his last service. He's going to be uh, uh, going to college in Stockton, California at Christian Life College and pursuing his ministry. And, and we're so proud of you. We're so glad to be a part of uh, your life and you've been a part of ours. If you don't know him, he's a lot of fun. I don't know where he gets it from, <laughs> Brother Adam. But uh, you've been a great blessing. We want to pray for you tonight. And, uh, and i tell you what we're going to do. Before we leave the service, we want to commission you. And I want the ministry to lay hands on you. Uh, and uh, aren't we proud of Brother Denver? Amen. So thankful for him. I love you. We're going we're to anoint you and pray for you just a little while, okay? Let's give him a hand of appreciation. Do you believe something happens when we call on the name of Jesus? Amen. Something happens when we call on the name. We are the people of the name. And when we call on his name, he responds, he listens. Tonight, tonight, I'm going to commission you to call on that name. We're going to break some barriers tonight. Barriers are going to be broken tonight. This morning, it seems to be the theme of the day is victory. And I want you to, won't you turn to a few people and say, God's about to give you a great victory. Amen, amen. The book of Acts, chapter 16, reading with verse 24. Let's just go 25. You've been standing a little while. And at midnight. Somebody say, and at midnight. Paul and Silas prayed and sang, psalm, sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Somebody say, at midnight. And what happened? Verse 26. And suddenly 
there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, somebody say immediately. I just feel like tonight we need one of those suddenly immediately moments. Enough is enough. I've been, I've been bound long enough. Come on. I've been bound long enough. I've been dealing with this enemy long enough. I don't want to wait three years, three months, three weeks, or three days. I need a suddenly and immediately moment tonight. I don't want my kids to be lost another month. I don't, come on. I, I don't want somebody to be, I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm sick of the sickness. I'm sick of the problems. I'm sick of the issues. Tonight, I believe there can be a suddenly and an immediately in somebody's life. So you know what I think I'll do? I think I'm gonna pray about it, but I'm not just gonna pray about it. I'm gonna start singing praises to him for it. Some of you have been praying, but you haven't been singing. Some of you have been, some of you have been weeping, but you haven't been praising. You, you've got to have prayer and praise if you want a victory tonight. Thank God you've been praying, but somebody's got to start praising. Somebody's got to start lifting up the name of Jesus. Somebody's got to start believing that God can do absolutely anything at any time. How many know he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think? I wish somebody would clap your hands and shout hallelujah. And immediately, somebody shout immediately. All the doors were opened. Not some of them. Not part of them. Not a few of them. Not even one of them. But all of them. In a moment in a twinkling of an eye, suddenly everything that had been imprisoned, everything that had been held captive was immediately set free. And there's people that are bound I wanna see set free in this city. There's backsliders that are not here that I wanna see set free in this city. Come on, there's, there's cities that need revival, that need the doors flung wide open, and I believe it can happen tonight. Oh, clap your hands and shout, tonight it can happen. Everybody say immediately. The doors were opened and a few of their bands were loosed. A few addicts were set free. Uh-uh. And everyone's bands, everybody captive, everybody bound, everybody in prison, not only were the doors open, the prisoners were set free. That's what God wants to do in this region. Hallelujah. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Satan had me down, but Jesus lifted me. Do you believe God tonight is gonna to open some doors if you believe it? Clap your hands and praise him. You may be seated tonight. You may be seated. A few years ago, matter of fact, it was August the 30th, three years ago that God gave me a dream. It was certainly, no doubt, a dream that was from the Lord. This dream 
is about the North American church and that's who is sitting here tonight because what we're a part of is bigger than us. Do you believe that? How many believe that we're a part of something greater than us? Amen. And um, I want to say to you, be careful to listen to the wrong news because you'll get the wrong direction. Revelation says something like, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Everybody say, He that hath an ear, let him hear. The Spirit is speaking some things to the end time church. And if I read my Bible right, there is going to be a falling away, but there's also going to be an adding to. Joel said he's going to pour his Spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Old men are going to dream dreams and young men are going to see visions. And on my servants and on my handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit. Can I tell you what God is going to do in the end time? It's going to reach every language, every nation, every ethnicity, every background, every age, every person, every city. Do you believe that? If you want it, say amen. His spirit is going to fall upon everybody. That's biblical teaching. So be careful to get caught up in the fall in the way and the politics of the day and the economic system and forget that God has his own economy, God has his own kingdom, and he's the king of this kingdom. In my dream on August the 30th, it was a Friday night, I, I, I was in, in the dream and I was at a camp meeting. In that camp meeting, I, I uh, uh, was not a speaker. I was just merely an attendee. And the spirit of prophecy came over me in that camp meeting. And uh, when it did, the leadership in the meeting recognized the spirit of prophecy on me and uh, called me to prophesy. And uh, I wasn't even on the platform. I was on this, on this side and, and uh, I was on this side of the platform. And while I was standing there, they handed me a microphone and I just lifted my hands over that, that apostolic camp meeting and I began to prophesy and this is what I said. Behold, I set before you an open door that no man can shut. When I said that, everybody felt the witness of it and responded to that prophecy. Now that is a verse that certainly is in uh, Isaiah 22 as well. It's in Revelation chapter 3 but I do believe it's in Revelation chapter 3 because it's going to be an end time opportunity that he's going to open the door. Can you say amen? amen? I went from that scene of that dream and I'm on this side of the, the, the altar area now at the same room in the same camp meeting and I'm standing here. Beside me is Bishop Mark Morgan. And I'm standing there and I prophesied again and I lifted my hands and I said, behold, the open door is the door to the North American church where I am gonna fill millions with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You ought to be more excited about that moment than what you are. Come on, I think everybody ought to clap your hands and say that is gonna happen. That's gonna happen in my city, my family, my family, my name. God's gonna pour his spirit on my family. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I prophesied it, man. When, when, I, when I spoke those words, the minister on the platform, I turned to him and I and looked and he looked at me with a question mark, not question the prophecy, but question how. 
Because we, we, we believe, if I said, hey, this coming Sunday, you're gonna have three people get the Holy Ghost in your church, in your city. Oh, you clap your hands and shout. When I say there's gonna be 20,000 of your city that comes to the Lord, you're probably gonna say, I don't know about that. Because we can believe God for small things, but we can't see big things. But what God wants to do tonight and beyond tonight, he wants you to start seeing what he can do and not just what you've experienced. He can do way beyond. Oh, I wish I had some people in this building on your feet helping me preach right now. There's a city that wants to have revival. Come on, if you want revival in your city, jump to your feet, clap your hands and shout. It's gonna happen in my city. Everybody say there's an open door. You may be seated and millions are gonna receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in that, the Lord, the Lord, uh, I, I remember him looking at me with a question and I said to myself, he was questioning not, not how, because in just United Pentecostal Church alone, we have about 5,000 churches that average seat about 300. Add that together, that's 1.5 million. If millions get the Holy Ghost in North America, that means there's gonna be more people than we have capacity to seat them. So we can't think the way we're thinking. We have to see the way God sees it. And I believe that the capacities are gonna be so full, we're gonna to have to train people in the home to lead people in the houses, amen, in neighborhoods and possibly convention centers and we're gonna to have to rent gyms and we're gonna to have to rent places, amen. So many people wanna be baptized. We can't get them all in one tank. We gotta rent the pool at the municipal place and baptize them in swimming pools and rivers and creeks and ponds because it's an old-fashioned awakening. You gotta believe it. Somebody's gotta want it to happen tonight if you're gonna... It's bigger. It's bigger. What that means that there's a millions, millions. If, if we had, if, if we just had a thousand soul revival, there would be more people in this church that are new than there are established. What that would mean is you're going to be outnumbered. You can come to church and somebody's going to be sitting in your seat. Bless God. Somebody parking in your parking spot. Bless God. And if you're not careful, you're going to get mad about it instead of thankful for it. I just want to know, is anybody willing to give up your seat and your parking spot? Amen. That's not your seat anyhow. That belongs to somebody else. I want somebody to turn to your seat and prophesy and say somebody else is going to be sitting in the seat that needs to hear the gospel for the first time. I wish some of you prophesy to your seat and say to your seat, somebody's gonna be sitting here that's never heard the gospel that's gonna come to the Lord. Amen. I've heard it a thousand times. Somebody's about to hear it that's never heard it before. I wish somebody would turn around to your seat, stand your feet, turn around and say, somebody's gonna be in this church that's not here today. Somebody's coming. Come on, prophesy to the seat. How many believe what I'm preaching tonight is true? I'll give up my seat. I'll stand at the back wall. I'll stand in the foyer. I'll watch online, but somebody's got to hear the gospel. Years ago, we believed this, and you may be seated. Years ago, we believed this, and because of this, we, because of this, we began to send people from the church, two different cities, pastors, 
Saints moved in those directions and helps and things begin to go. Some Sundays we have 50 plus people going to different cities and ministering to other cities. Why? Because we believe it's bigger than a city. It's bigger than a building. And I want you to know that God has people right now on the edge of their seat that are hungry for what we have. We cannot keep it in the four walls of this church. We gotta get it to the people that he died on the cross to get it to. It's the gospel. Come on, tonight they're at a crack house, but maybe by next Sunday they'll be on an altar in a baptismal tank finding a new direction. Tonight, they might stagger out of a tavern in a car accident, drunk on the way home, end up in the hospital and then in a jail cell. But we believe we can go to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and they can have a 180 degree turn because there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you, when you picture, be seated, when you picture, when you picture a true revival, an awakening revival, what do you picture? Some of you picture this building full. You picture people dressed like you, look like you, act like you, talk like you. I, I preached just a few weeks ago, maybe a week ago. I talked about the reason they were called Christians first at Antioch. The reason was because in Jerusalem, they didn't want Gentiles to be in the church. And Jesus didn't picture a church that was full of Jews. He pictured a church that was full of Jews and Gentiles. Are y'all hearing me today? And some of you can only picture a revival that looks like apostolics. Dress like you, act like you, and talk like you, but it doesn't start that way. It starts with people coming in with marks on their body, with veins messed up, with drugs in their veins, their minds messed up, their spirits wounded, they're broken, they've been abused, they've been battered. Amen. That's right. They come in, they don't, they don't act like you, don't talk like you, don't live like you, don't even understand you. But there's gonna be a revival that starts like this. All I know, I was blind, but now I see. I don't know who he was, but I've been healed. I've been delivered. I wanna know in this building, are there any broken people that believe God can heal broken people? Are there any sinners in the building that said, I used to be a sinner, but I've been saved by grace? I want you to, if you believe it, I want you to shout, I believe it. it. It's going to happen in the homes. It's going to happen in, listen, this is my vision. This is my vision for the North American revival. When uh, it's this, it's that we pray that God will send laborers into the fields. The field is not Sunday morning at 11 o'clock at the anchor churches. That's not the field. That's the storehouse. That's where we bring the harvest. What that means is we have to have laborers that'll go gather the harvest. The harvest isn't in the building. The harvest is in the field. You've gotta be working Monday through Saturday, believing and witnessing and talking, and the best way is to be living for God with the fruit of the Spirit. Could be a waiter, a waitress, could be a coworker, a neighbor, could be somebody that needs what you have. Somebody's watching you. They're watching your life to see if you have what they need. One pastor's wife walked next door, heard the story years ago, knocked on the door and said, I'd love you to go to church with me. And she started crying, lived beside him for a couple of decades and she started crying. 
She said, why are you crying? She said, I've waited for years for you to ask me to go to church with you. But sometimes we're so caught up in our own circle. People that are like us, our family, our church people, our church family, that we forget that the gospel was to go to people that aren't like us. Unsaved. Not where they need to be. Can I ask the saints of God on a Sunday night, do you have any time in your schedule for somebody that's not like you? Or are we only with people that are like us? The church was never supposed to just be with the church. You've got to have your arms reaching out to somebody that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Well, what if I don't say it right? You think I'll say it right every Sunday? I butcher the King's English every single Sunday. It's not about perfection or performance. It's about a heart of love that says he's been so good to me. I want you to have the same opportunity. God's given you a story. He's given you a testimony. Somebody say amen. Now in this room, Every single one of you has somebody in your life, in your circle that God's calling you to reach. Every single person in this room. Are you reaching them or walking past them? Passing people that need what you have on the way to the church. What are you saying, Pastor Bounds? I'm saying the revival of North America is gonna happen when we start reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ outside of a church building. It's gonna happen. Some of the revivals are going to take place right in your living room. People are going to be healed. They're going to repent. Right at your kitchen table and in your living room. People are going to repent. Right there, they're going to hear the gospel. I grew up watching my dad build a church by teaching Bible studies in the home. And I can't tell you how many times I heard him when he was teaching the word of the Lord. I'd hear them break down by the power of the gospel and repent in the house. And I'd hear him say, I see it. I want to be right with God. And I'd hear them pray the beautiful prayer of repentance. He'd take them next door to the church and baptize them in Jesus' name. It wasn't a Sunday. It was a Monday. Oh, I'm glad you're going to heaven, but are you taking anybody with you? And I'm preaching because in North America, there's going to be a revival of this. And when he looked at me with a question mark and I turned to the Lord and I'm standing in my dream on August the 30th, three years ago, I'm standing on this side of the church and I said, God, we've got prophecy, we've got inspiration, but we have no instruction. And when I lifted my hands, it downloaded into my spirit. And the Lord said it this way. He said, don't wait on them to get the fullness of truth. Just release them and send them out. Release them at their level of knowledge and experience. And what that means is they're going to walk away. I went to the Awakenings Conference the next day. I saw Brother Evangelist Bobby Wade, who I believe is a prophet of the Lord. I said, Bobby, and we're, we're friends. I said, Bobby, I said, I, I had a dream last night. It's from the Lord. It's something I don't, I need Bible to back it up. I said, Bobby, I, I, need, I need you to help me. I said, the Lord says he's going to fill millions in North America with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Did you know that there are tongues interpretation happening in general board meetings in the United Pentecostal Church where there's millions going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in North America? It is going to happen. It's going to happen. Ready or not, it's going to happen. But if you're ready, you're going to be, get to be a part of it. If you don't believe it, it's going to run you over, but it's going to happen. God's got a great revival for North America. Somebody shout amen. amen. And I said, 
Bobby, the Lord showed me that you got a release of their level of knowledge and experience right there. I said, Bobby, I said, I need Bible. He said, oh, it's in the Bible. He said, when the blind man was healed, he said, all I know. You stone, you, but Jesus, he had never seen Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was, but Jesus had touched him. He was blind when he touched him, washed his eyes in the pool of Siloam. He had never seen Jesus. He couldn't have proved who Jesus was. He didn't know who Jesus was. All he knew is I've been, I've been healed by this man that I do not know. They don't have to have the revelation of the oneness of God. They don't have to quote Psalms 23. They just need a testimony. He touched me. All I know is I'm no longer addicted. I'm no longer bound. I'm no longer fearful. I'm no longer depressed. The revival of North America is gonna happen by new babies that start telling people, I went to church one night, my heart wasn't right, but something got a hold of me. I want you to jump to your feet and shout, it's gonna happen in this region. It's gonna happen in Ohio. Glory. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands and pray for it to happen. God, I pray for my family to receive it. I pray for my family to be a part of it. I pray that all over this region, you're gonna call backsliders and sinners. People that have went wayward from you, you would heal them and help them and touch them and deliver them. Come on, let's pray to him tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say with me, it is going to happen. I want you to turn to three or four people and prophesy and say millions are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost in North America. <laughs> prophesy it. Say you're going to be a part of it. God's going to use you to be a part of it. Turn to somebody and say, you're going to have to give up your seat. Amen. You have to park in another parking lot somewhere to get here, but millions. Somebody shout millions in North America. If you believe it, I want you to give a hearty amen. amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad to tell you, you be seated. We can never get the anchor churches all fit in this room. Everybody that attends our anchor churches, it's bigger than this facility can hold. I think you ought to say amen to that. Praise God, and it's happening. The numbers that are happening in Southeast Asia, Sister Ashley talked about it today. What God's doing in Guatemala as well is so powerful. What God's doing in all of these cities you saw up here, it's very, very powerful. Brand new family from Gloucester, they're on the back row, wave your hand. Recently baptized in the name of Jesus. We gotta thank God for that. Praise the name of the Lord, but the meeting's been teaching them a Bible study. We rejoice evermore. Now, I, I want you to bear with me for a moment because God has given us a key for it. Everybody say a key. And in Isaiah 22, Isaiah 22, it, it teaches us something. And it says something like this, Isaiah 22 and verse 22. 22 and 22. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. Talking about El Elkiah. 
So he shall open, everybody say, he shall open, and none shall shut. He shall shut, and none shall open. I will fasten him. I feel a witness of the Spirit here tonight. I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. And he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. And he goes on and talks. But he said, I'm going to give him the key of David. The question here tonight is what is the key? What is the key of David? What's the key of David? The Bible also talks about the tabernacle of David. It, it mentions sort of a guy by the name of El, uh, Eliakim. It, 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 it says that um, Eliakim would be over the household of Hezekiah, who was the king who restored Israel. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God's bringing great restoration to his church. When Hezekiah restored Israel back to where it needs to be after Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz had nailed the doors church, Hezekiah stepped in and brought great revival. It was an amazing moment. There's this man by the name a Syrian king by the name of Sennacherib. Sennacherib. Aren't you glad your name's not Sennacherib? And, um, but Sennacherib sent word. Sennacherib sent word in chapter 36. Isaiah tells a story. It's also, in, it's also back in the book of the Kings. But Sennacherib sent word uh, through one of his messengers. And he, he sent word and... Uh, uh, his name was Rab Shaki from Lachish to Jerusalem under King Hezekiah with a great army. A great army shows up and it's what I believe to be, uh, it, it was won by one of the conduits of water, the Bible says. And he sent word to Hezekiah. When they get there, could you imagine being on the walls of Jerusalem and, and, and a large army is standing outside the walls of Jerusalem and here comes the messenger of the king of Assyria, which is named Sennacherib, and he says, Don't you let your king deceive you and don't be deceived by the God of the king. Who do you think you are to say that your God is going to deliver you out of my hand? He names this nation, said that their God helped anything? They, they said their God would deliver them, didn't deliver them. He names probably five or six nations and said, we conquered them and your God is not going to deliver you out of our hand. And when this happens, Eliakim the, 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 of the household of Hezekiah, who had the key, everybody say the key. He steps out and he said, just speak in the Assyrian language. We understand the Assyrian language. Don't speak in the Jews language. That's what he said. He said, don't speak the Jewish language because all the Jews are the walls. And he said, no, but I've come to speak so they will hear me. Remember this, anytime God has victory in the forefront, there will always be an enemy that tries to spark fear in every believer of God. It's gonna be a doomsday message. He's gonna speak it in your language to say that you are going to fall. You are going to fail. Your family's not going to make it. You're going to be undermined and destroyed. How many of you have ever felt that way that the enemy was going to come in and everything you build up is going to crumble? Anybody ever felt that way? 
anxiety and fear. And he was trying to instill this. And Eliakim makes this statement. He, he, takes, he takes what the, the uh, man says that was the messenger and he goes to the house of Hezekiah and he tells Hezekiah the king, this is what the messenger said. All he was was the messenger to Hezekiah. But Hezekiah looks at him and a long story short here tonight, he tells the key to his house, the man that's over his house or the governor of his house that has the key to his home. He said, I want you to go tell the prophet what has been said. Hezekiah takes the letter from the enemy and the words and he lays them on the altar and he says, God, this is what Hezekiah says. He said, God, there's one thing we know here today is the gods of the other kings and nations were made by man. There are no other gods, but we have the one true living God that's for us. Amen. Can I preach to you for a minute? Amen. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord of God for they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. God's gonna do a work in his church. God's gonna do a work in his body. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say God's gonna do a mighty work. Eliakim goes, who the Bible says has the key of David. He goes to the prophet Isaiah. When he gets to him, he shares with him the words of Hezekiah about what Sennacherib would said. And Isaiah goes to the Lord and prays as well. He comes back and he said, this is what's gonna happen. He said, he said I'm gonna, from the Lord, gonna rebuke him for blaspheming my name and my people. I'm gonna send him a blast. Look at your neighbor and say a blast. That doesn't mean dynamite. That means there's gonna be a windy rumor. I'm gonna send him a windy rumor that he's gonna think that somebody's gonna come against him and he's gonna move his direction. I'm gonna send him a blast and when he moves, I'm gonna kill him. And watch what the Lord does. God sent one angel. God sent one angel. And when Sennacherib woke up one morning, 185,000 of his soldiers were dead. In one day, one angel came in and destroyed everything against them in one night. I come to preach to you what the devil has formed against you will not prosper. It will not prosper. God is gonna send an angel to you. He's gonna destroy every single thing against your life. Somebody say amen. amen. When he wakes up in 185,000, I'm preaching this, I'm preaching to more than this congregation. I'm preaching to the preachers in this congregation. I'm preaching to the cities which God, that y'all kindly call me bishop over. But can I tell you, everything connected here is gonna have a victory tonight because I believe that which is for us is greater than that which is against us. I believe there's a word from the Lord. I believe there's a victory on the way. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Whose report will you believe? I believe the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. His report says I am filled. 
I am free. His report says victory. Clap your hands. There's a victory in the making. I wish I had somebody that was struggling to get out of your seat and say there's about to be a breakthrough. There's about to be a breakthrough. There's about to be a breakthrough. The only thing I can find Eliakim can do who has the key of David, the only thing I can find him do is to get up from the prophet's house, make his way back to the king's house and said, the prophet said, the enemy's gonna die. The prophet said, this thing's not gonna happen the way the enemy says it's gonna happen. There's about to be a victory. He had, I need a key. You have a key. I'm gonna join the softball team, amen. He had a key and the key was the report of the Lord. The key was not the report of the enemy. That's distraction, that's fear mongering. Oh, we can't listen to what the devil's saying. Somebody's gotta only know what comes out of your mouth what the prophet is saying. You need to start quoting the prophet. You need to start, start quoting the Bible. You need to start prophesying the Bible because of the prophecy of the scripture. Quit thinking about gloom and doom and mistakes and failure and start realizing if God be for me, then who can be against me? I'm gonna preach to you tonight. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in the cities. Somebody shout hallelujah. He's gonna prosper my finances. He's gonna prosper my emotions. He's gonna prosper my family. He's gonna prosper my health. He's gonna prosper my ministry. He's gonna anoint me with. I wish somebody would prophesy for a minute. God's gonna do good things. Everybody say the key of David. Only thing I find Eli can do. He didn't only say what the enemy said he was going to say to the king, but when the prophet spoke, he started prophesying what the prophet was speaking. You've got to guard what comes out of your mouth. Tonight, there's going to be an instantly and a suddenly if you will get a hold of the key of David. Be seated a moment. I, I need a little time to teach. It's just once a month. I'm taking advantage of all four weeks we've had off. Can I deliver you what God's given me? Everybody say, there's a key of David. You didn't come leaving. You came and you received a word from the Lord and I've got one tonight. Everybody say the key of David. You'll find this not only talking about Eliakim, as simple as it seems, but you'll find that Jesus quotes this, quotes this in the revelation of John in chapter three. He's talking about the church of Philadelphia and he said, these things saith he that is holy, that is true. Verse seven of the revelation three. He that hath the key of David he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Praise God. You'll find that the key, once it opens the door, no man can shut it down. Keys open things that are locked. And what happened is what Sennacherib was doing to everybody else, Eliakim had the word in his mouth. If he would have went back and told Hezekiah something different, but he didn't, he told him exactly what the prophet has said, as impossible as it seems. Let me tell you something. 
the people that believe this, I'm reminded today after the seven years of famine and the, and the, and the, and the prophet said, you're going to be able to sell a, 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 a donkey's head for this much and you're going to be able to see the wheat go for this much. And a man in the gate, he said, I don't believe it. And the prophet said, guess what's going to happen? You are going to be run over. You're going to hear about it. You're going to see it, but you'll never taste of it. When I'm talking about growth and revival, don't you dare say, I just don't know. Because you're going to get run over. You need, to, you need to speak out of your mouth what's in the dream. You need to speak out of your mouth what the Bible was saying. And in the last day, saith God, he said he's going to pour his spirit upon all flesh. Come on, somebody ought to get excited about it. And, and Jesus makes this statement. He, These things saith he that is holy, that is true. He that hath the key, speaking of Jesus, hath the key of David. He that openeth, everybody say, he opens, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee, everybody say, an open door. An open door. And no man can shut it. He said, for thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. When the report came from Hezekiah to the prophet from Eliakim, he said it this way. He said, they're so weak that they're too weak to even bear children because of the report of the enemy. That's what he told the prophet. Hezekiah told him, the king said, tell them how weak. He said, the, the people are so weak right now. You know why? Because the enemy spoke in the Jewish language and everybody saw destruction. If we're not careful, we will be weakened by the wrong report. So weak that we can't have children. Because if you believe there's a doomsday, you're not going to have any babies. And churches start dying the day they believe the report of the enemy. And that's why he said here though, the one that has the key of David. Everybody shout the key of David. He, he tells them, he said, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door that no man can shut. For thou hast a little strength. He's making reference to the same context of the end time revival, that there's little strength. That's the way some of you feel. You want to pray, but almost too tired to pray. You want to go to church, but almost too tired to go to church because there is a lot of prayer. Can anybody witness this right now? You want to witness, but it just seems that it zaps from you. You, you have little strength. And he, he goes on and says, but thou hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. What is the key of David? When you begin to look and um, at Acts 15, you're going to find probably the first fight that happened in the new church was in Acts chapter 15. It was the first general conference, and the fight was over this. If Gentiles are going to be on our church, then they better get circumcised. That was the fight that was happened in the church. Probably the first one is when you look at Acts chapter 15. Bear with me just a moment, and we're going to wrap this up. Are you all with me tonight? Come on, I, I'm prophesying things are going to come to pass. I believe with all of my heart. I do. I believe with all of my heart. If you're watching online, God's not done with you either. He's going to do a work in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. And, uh, and, and they're having this debate and they're talking these things in, in Acts 15, but they make this statement. They said, uh, it says, and after they, verse 13, and after they had held their peace, James answered, who's the half-brother of Jesus, saying, men and brethren, hearken to me. He says, Simeon had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles, to take out of them a people for his name. 
He said, don't forget, there's prophecy about God going to do a work in the Gentile people. Everybody say, people not like us. Do you want people in the church that are not like you? Come on, we need a revival where we have to speak through, through some inner ears to people of different languages. Oh, let there be a, God's going to bring a people out of the drug community that's going to be a people that declare his name. Mark my word. Write it in your Bible. There are going to be a people. Hey, drug community is its own culture, almost its own nation. It's been going on since the hippie movement. But guess what? I believe God's going to reach right down in the midst of that and he's going to bring preach, preachers and prophets out of the drug community that's going to declare his name. If you believe it, say amen. And it says, and Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. You have to understand the parallel of what I'm preaching. There is a revival among people that are not like us. I am, I am fourth generation apostolic, but it doesn't mean somebody can't get the same experience from a sinful background. Is anyone thankful to be in the church tonight? Are you thankful? He said, and after this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. He didn't say the tabernacle of Moses. He said the tabernacle of David. Why the tabernacle of David? Because which has fallen down and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Amen. What is the tabernacle of David? We're talking about the key of David, the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David was, is, is assumed, and uh, I talked to even somebody recently that, that was talking about this, trying to get a little clarity about the key of David, because there's not a ton of information. But when you're talking about the tabernacle of David, how many remember when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back? Some believe he put him in the, in the tabernacle, but the Bible says he, he brought him to Zion and set him in a tabernacle. They had always had him in the Holy of Holies, but when David brought, David didn't just bring him back to Jerusalem. He brought him to Zion, this place, and he built a tabernacle, a tent, and he set him there. What? The Ark of the Covenant. He brought it out of the Holy of Holies where everybody could access it. It's powerful because he was saying it's not just going to be for some or a few. That it's going to be for everybody. He sent it out almost on display. Not, not that it could be treated wrong, but for a period of time. And that's why when he walked, every six paces, David did something that was powerful. When he was delivering the Ark of the Covenant, every six paces, he took his kingly robe off and he began to dance and worship and offer sacrifice. He had an altar, but he also had praise. He had prayer, but he had praise. It appears to me the only thing verse in, in all of the New Testament that we have about worship, exuberant worship, is in Ephesians where it says that they, they would sing from the melody of their heart. It means to pluck an instrument. We only have one verse that declares everything we did with the choir, praise and worship, what you do every week, only one verse that even talks about it. It appears that it was brought to the kingdom through the psalmist David that had an understanding is that there's not just altars of sacrifice in the church. There is something that happens when men and women begin to praise the Lord. 
I'm so glad for your prayer, but prayer is not enough. You gotta come out of your prayer with a hand stretched praise that says he's about to make a way where there seemeth to be no way. Woo! He, come here, come here, Hezekiah. You're gonna be the king. Brother Chad, come here for a minute. I want you to kneel at the altar. He sends Eliakim to the prophet. He's praying here. Eliakim is on his way to get the answer. And the answer is going to come from the prophet. And the prophet's going to tell him what God said he's going to do. Eliakim returns while he's praying. He comes back with a report of what God says he's going to do. Come here, uh, Chris. I want you to come over here. Let me tell you how doors open. When you can weep at an altar, praying against what the enemy says he's going to do. But you've got to learn to get up from weeping and get on your garment of praise and start thanking him for what he said he's going to do. Some of you learn to weep at an altar but never praise at an altar. Some of you have wept and cried but never got exuberant with what God said. There's got to be a moment you stop praying and stop crying and get up and start praising him and believing that he's going to make a way where there seemed to be no way. I've wept long enough but now I'm going to praise the name of the Lord. Come on, jump to your feet and clap your hands and praise him. Come on, praise him. So there was a, remain standing. There's the tabernacle of David. There's also the king of David. And when they were in debate on who could be a part of the church, James got up and he said, we're gonna rebuild the tabernacle of David. We're gonna have a display of the presence of God that's not just for a few, but it's gonna be for every single body, even the Gentile people. What I'm saying, I believe God's gonna do something in the homes, in the neighborhoods, in the prisons, in the jails, in the schools, that there's gonna be a people that's gonna glorify his name, not just on Sunday. But when you walk in on Monday, there's gonna be a victory that's gonna follow you every single place you go. They're gonna come and open door. Everybody take your hand and say there's a key. And it's in the room. And when I use it, it's gonna unlock doors that no man can shut. How many of you have been praying for some things? Now it's time to praise about those things. Here's what we're going to do tonight. You've already been praying. I've sensed that in the Holy Ghost. It's time now to praise Him for it. It's time to praise Him for it. And when you start praising him, the suddenly and the immediately is going to come over you. And God's going to unlock doors in your ministry. God's going to give you favor with people you never had favor with. God's going to unlock things in your life that you've never had unlocked before. Because you've learned not just weep at an altar, but to praise at one. Somebody say, there's a key of David that's about to unlock doors like never before. Thank God for prayer, but we've got to have prayer and praise. It's a toxic combination. It's a dynamic that destroys enemies. I may believe, Satan, your kingdom is coming down. God's about to send an angel of the Lord. If one could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand to flight, 
I wonder what would happen if we joined forces and praise tonight and watch God unlock doors all over this city, unlock doors all over this region. There are cities we have not yet went to like St. Clairsville that we will be at. There's gonna be a great revival. I just felt that in the Holy Ghost. It's gonna happen there. There are counties we've never been to that the doors are gonna open. I prophesied this morning that we're gonna start churches in Germany. I don't know how, but I believe it's gonna happen. God is gonna open doors. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, we need to start thinking like the book of Acts. Amen. We need to think like the book of Acts. How many want to think like the book of Acts? Are you willing to be beaten for the gospel's sake? Are you willing to bear in your body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ? So I'm gonna answer a question here tonight on why good people suffer. Because Paul did nothing wrong, Silas did nothing wrong, except preach the gospel. When they go to Macedonia, the next chapter after this revival, talking about Gentiles, are y'all here tonight? I'm talking about reaching different cities. They go out of this debate about rebuilding the tabernacle of David, knowing the key of David. They go to the next chapter and he's trying to go to Asia and the Lord stops and says, don't go there. He said, I, I want you to, he has a vision of the night of a man of Macedonia. He shows up in Macedonia. The only people he sees are women. Lydia, Dorcas, then a damsel. But in the vision, there was a man crying, come help us. You've got to understand that the gospel's not just for you. It's for you, to you, and through you. There are people that want what you have. It's got to be a mindset that is bigger than the building. We celebrate cities here tonight on Mission Sunday. We do. Celebrate something beyond Zanesville. Thank God for Zanesville. But thank God for every believer in all these cities where you're at and reaching. And watch what happens. He, he, he goes and rebukes the devil out of a, out of a, out of a fortune teller damsel and cast the devil out of her and they get thrown in prison and they beat them. There's going to be moments in ministry you feel beaten and bruised. Are you willing to bear in your body the marks of the Lord? Because you're going to take on things that don't belong to you that you don't deserve. Reaching people. But the marks would never be in vain. If you're going through something as a righteous saint, it is leading you to something powerful and great and dynamic. Sometimes you're being spent for somebody else's deliverance. Anybody feel what I'm saying right now? Anybody going through some things right now? Come on. But your pain is not going to be in vain. There's a great deliverance going to come through you. And when Paul and Silas, come here, Silas, you're going to be Paul. Come over to get together. When Paul and Silas were beat and they were they had soldiers around them. They were shackled. And they're probably sitting, sitting, just sitting down right there for a minute. Because sometimes in the ministry, we go through things that we don't deserve. Go through things in life we don't deserve. You're shackled. And at midnight, the only thing he's reached is women. One of them he cast the devil out of. There's a man somewhere in a vision that I haven't met 
yet. I'm in pain, I'm in prison, but the word of the Lord is not fulfilled yet. That's why God gives you prophecy, so you won't stop midway. It's not happening. That's why I prophesy sometimes, and you need to believe it, because God's not done yet. I'm in pain, but there's a yet. Somebody shout, it's about to happen. And at midnight with shackles, at midnight with stripes, at midnight in a prison, separated in a strange land, vision not fulfilled, the Bible says in Paul and Silas, what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Everybody say they prayed. If you're in pain, pray. 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 But you can't just pray. You got to come out of a weeping prayer and say, oh God, we need deliverance. Oh God, we need a breakthrough. Oh God, I'm suffering. I pray that you'll bring a deliverance here tonight. Pray. But they didn't stop with prayer. They got up and started singing songs. They had a key. And the key was to praise him after prayer. I know it seems routine if we do it every week, but it's not just something we do in the church. It's a key to an open door. Praise is a key. Woo! It's a key to an open door. Preacher, I've been praying for deliverance. I've been praying for a breakthrough. Great. Now it's time to praise Him for it. Now it's time to thank Him for it. Now it's time to expect Him for it. Come on, now it's time to thank Him. There's a key of David in this building tonight. It is exuberant worship. It's a praising. It's a psalm singing. It's a worshiping spirit. I'm glad you're praying the king of praise him. Woo! We've come to praise him. We've come to praise him.
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.